still in Texas, still in Houston, Texas, probably to the day I die, or you know, at least until something happens to my mama. But yeah, we in Houston, Texas. Um, let me just check the connection, Jack. Oh no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm in. I'm on the internet. My bad. Um, I don't have anything to check. Uh It's your host, Natalia, back for another episode of More Than a Pretty Face. Today, I am so, so excited um, to be talking with the one and only Ebony Stewart. Uh, If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I share her poll Mondays at least probably once a week. Uh, (laughs) But I am so jazzed to talk to her. She is an international touring spoken word poet. She is an author. She is a playwright. So, like, Ebony, please speak to the people. Yo, what's good? What's poppin'? <laughs> Here we is. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I'm I'm really excited to have you. I've had a few other spoken word artists, and I just love having y'all on. Um, you y'all always add like something that I'm like, ah, oh, I just want this forever in my life. Um, so I just want to start off by asking, you know, like, how did you get started? Oh wow, you know what, like. First, let me just say thank you for, you know, what you're doing and and definitely putting poets on and taking an interest in us. That's really important and powerful, especially when it comes from women, black women in particular. So um, shout out to you, sis. Um, Thank you. You know how I got my start. I feel like um, I get that question quite a bit. And I don't know. I'm trying to think of new ways to like revamp (laughs) it so it don't sound repetitive, but I started out probably like a lot of poets where it comes to, you know, a composition journal and trauma, right? And so uh, just just being able to write my thoughts, like journal them, and then they turn into poetry or they turn into something something bigger and, and, and more than me, right? Um, but yeah, you know, like I, I did this thing where I was a teacher and then I just flipped my, you know, my passion and the things that I'm like passionate about, which is like activism and just people and stories and, and turn it into a profession, which I'm super fortunate to be able to do that. When you started doing poetry, were you looking to make it a profession or was it just a way for you to like, just express that trauma that you were feeling? Yeah. You know, like not really, I didn't know that you could like, make money from, from your, from your poetry or your trauma in them, in them particular ways. But, uh, I met a cat named John Good, who's out of, you know, um, Atlanta, Georgia. And he really put me on to like the idea of like, yo, you could do this. You could, you could do this for a living. And I think a lot of black people, what we do with our trauma and our stories and the ways that we turn it into, you know, an art form and a way to like cover our bills or take care of ourselves is a skill, you know what I mean? And everybody's interested until they're not, right? Mm-hmm. So our stories are, are no different than the people who don't get the shine or don't get the publicity or, um, 
that everyday people aren't interested in, though I still feel like I'm very much so an everyday person, right? So, yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't seek to do that, but I'm, I'm glad that it transformed into it. Yeah. Was it a hard transition from going from teaching to being a full-time poet? Did you, was there like a moment in time you're like, all right, I got to completely cut this teaching out of my life and now I got to commit fully to this? Yeah, 100%. 100%. I, when I first got my, when I was with my first agency, um, they were like, yo, try to do both for as long as you can. Try to be a teacher and mm-hmm. an artist for as long as you can to, to like get your money both ways because one is guaranteed money, which is why I think a lot of artists don't go ahead and take that, that mm-hmm. leap of faith. Um, and also why a lot of artists like, you know, fall back on something or have something that they do on the side, which I'm not mad at that either. Right. Um, but what I was doing is I was like, I was teaching and, um, I would get off work. I would go to the airport fly to somewhere like Oregon or something crazy, do a show and then take the red eye back and come back and go into the classroom, you know, you know, go into the break room or the restroom and stuff, brush my teeth, put some little deodorant on, change my shirt, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. <laughs> and then I would go back into the classroom, which is, which is ridiculous, yes. right? Because um, <laughs> at the time I was teaching sixth and seventh grade and everybody remember what, high, well, what junior high was like and, and that was an awful time. So my students were just being awful just by default. You know what I mean? And it wasn't really their fault. You know what I mean? Like they were just like, yo, I, all these things are happening mm-hmm. in my body. So um, I was I was really exhausted and I was tired. And I called my agent and I said, hey, listen, um, I need you to see if you can book me for as many shows as you can. This was like, say, November of 2012. Mm-hmm. And um, no, no, no. 2014 and she said yeah okay you sure and I was like yeah just book my spring out let's see what that's like in December she called me back and she said okay I got you all the way booked out until March and I hadn't talked to my supervisor about it yet right so I was like oh can we cuss on this show I ain't asked no questions about that (laughs) but I was like oh shit like I (laughs) I need to talk to somebody about this right and so um I went and I talked to my uh my supervisor and she was like, I was just waiting on you to tell me when you were ready. Right. And so Mm. sometimes people, other people know and see uh, more than what you see in yourself because your fears are what's in the way. That's all you can Mm -hmm. see. And I just really wish that somebody would have told me though, that like one, that you're going to be a little bit more isolated. Right. Um, You're not going to have like, the same kind of freedoms when it comes to your taxes, because the, the government come for artists and, and entrepreneurs first. Okay? <laughs> they come for y'all first. And so um, <laughs> I really wish somebody would have told me that. So that, that did make the transition hard and having to just figure out, you know, um, a new normal for me because I hadn't really, I had been doing the same thing. So I was comfortable in what it was. Right. Mm-hmm. And now it's the opposite, which I'm really comfortable in being a full-time artist. And I don't know if I could go back to a, to a nine to five. I think that ain't even me. I, who wants to talk to me before uh, 8 a.m.? What, what, what y'all want to know? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's nothing to talk about. It ain't nothing to do. Talk to me after 10 and we good. Right. I feel you on that on a deep level as mm-hmm. I have a job. Like I'm a, I'm a journalist full-time and shifts where I have to work at five o'clock in the morning. I'm like, why? 
There's nothing ever happening at 5 o'clock. There should never be anything happening at 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but yet, here we are. <laughs> yeah, you know. You know. But. That brings me to, like, my, um, the first poem I wanted to ask you about, which is one of my favorites, Box. Oh, uh, cool. It is one of my favorites because you do this beautiful, beautiful job of, like, that funny and then being like, oh, well, we're going to, like, talk about something very real. Yeah. And my favorite line, which I know is going to sound silly, but it's, like, my favorite line when you go, I am trained. And <laughs> I feel that so deeply. <laughs> Yo, I, you know what? Like, we, we all got to be trained. We can't say everything that we thinking and all the time. <laughs> and so we do have to, we have to reserve ourselves. Um, I like to say that sometimes there are certain things that make me want to come outside of myself. You understand what I mean? And um, I think my, my, my sixth grade boy sometimes was one of those moments, right? <laughs> Where I'm like, what are you talking about? Because sixth grade boys, um, if you ever talk to them, they're, they're peculiar. They're interesting individuals. And, um, you know, Box is my baby. That's, that's a poem that I feel like has longevity, which is the type of writer that I want to be or that I claim to be, right? Um, I want all my poems to have longevity, but I don't think that's a silly line at all because I think anybody can relate to like, I am trained. Like, hold on, hold on. I know this. <laughs> I know what I'm supposed to say. They trained me for this. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's such a perfect, poignant line in the middle of this because I feel like everybody has been in that position where someone is asking you like, you were brought on for your expertise in a certain area, or you know you have a certain expertise, and someone comes out of pocket with something wild, but because you're the one up front, like, you have to say something. You have yeah. to be the expert, so you have to also be the expert on foolishness. And I just, re I just really respected, like, your delivery of it, and I feel like we as black women are also often put in that space in many different ways, and That's so true. it's just, it's a, it's a perfect line. It's a perfect... <laughs> You know, and the, and the idea of that, like, black women always being put in that position um, of being trained is sometimes, like, I don't know the answer. And I'm still not allowed to say I don't know the answer. I, I, got, I got some different options. I can go find the answer. I can ask someone else. I can make something up. You know what I mean? I can rely on, on the little bit of resources and knowledge that I might have about a particular thing. But, yeah, black women are, are uh, put in a position to know Um and to help other people know, right? And so, yeah, as loaded as that line is, it can also just be very simple. Like, yo, I know, I know this. <laughs> or I think I do. Let's find out, right? Let's find when out. When did you, um, do you remember when you wrote that poem? Oh, man. You know, that's crazy because, let's see. I had to, um, it had to be like back in, we're going to go with like 2012. Mm -hmm. or maybe maybe earlier than that I don't because the poem has actually went through what people don't know the poem has went through several different variations of the mm -hmm. ending and so anytime I work on something that changes I come with a new date in my mind and now okay this is when this poem you know so yeah like Box had a few different variations it has a few different titles like um you know people know it as Box um 
online, but also, you know, anonymous box questions is the, I think the name of the piece that it originally took. Right. And then I was like, yo, it don't need all them words. Box is good. So, <laughs> cause I also think box does a very interesting thing too, right? Like how we think about boxes and shapes and um, boxing ourselves in or getting ourselves out and how easy or difficult that is, or just like a way of thinking or a way of silencing um, or speaking out. So yeah, I liked Box a whole lot to give it a title for, you know, um, YouTube. But if somebody is, like, looking inside of a book that it's in, they ain't going to find Box. It's going to say <laughs> something different. <laughs> no. Now, were you ever worried about your students, like, finding that? I think about that poem because it's, I guess it's, at least, I think it's the only one I've come across that references, you know, your work as a teacher. So I'm wondering, like, have you ever had students come across it online? And you're like, no, I know I asked that question. I know that was me. Or do you ever worry about things like that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't worry about it at all. I ain't worried about nothing. No, I, I feel like, you know, at that time, um, at that time when I first wrote that piece, um, social media wasn't like, as popping and relevant as it is right now. Like, it still had its relevance, yeah. but wasn't nobody really looking up poets like that online. Yeah. So um, when it first came out is what I mean. And so, no, I, I, I didn't think about that. And my students weren't checking for me like that. My students didn't ask, like, well, hey, what do you do for fun outside of teaching? Like, they didn't <laughs> care nothing about my hobby, child. So um, I don't have to worry about that, right? Um, now, there might be some students that might see me now and be like, huh, she looks familiar, right? Um, but these are, this was sixth and seventh graders at the time. They didn't live the whole, a whole lifetime in their opinion by now. So no, I, I don't worry about that. I do have students from when I taught ninth grade English and then we're friends on Facebook and all that other kind of jazz. And um, they respect me. They, they respect me as they did when I was their teacher then, mm -hmm. right? And so I had created a rapport with my students that allowed them to understand that, yes, I am a teacher, but I'm also a human being. I'm also an artist and I got these skills and I'm going to write about my life. And so it encouraged them to feel more confident in, in their skill set and whatever they're passionate about. So now nah, to speak to, um, I had this one kid that's so crazy. I just realized that he was following me on um, um, Instagram uh, Nigelon. And I remember giving him time. This is when he was a freshman I remember giving him time in class to be a comedian because he was so funny to me, but he would clown too much in class. So I'd be like, yo, let me give this kid like five minutes. And I'm like, yo, you, better be, <laughs> you better be funny too. You got five minutes and he would kill his set. Right. And <laughs> I, thought, I thought in the moment, um, this kid might be a comedian. You know what I mean? I don't know what he's going to do, but I, I want to I wanna be a part of that. I want to support him in that. And he's an artist now. It's not a comedian, but he would kill it if he would step up to that. But or from when he was in ninth grade, maybe he was just silly, right? Mm -hmm. But um, no, nah, I don't I don't worry too much about that. My, my students know or anybody who's worked with me know that I'm passionate. I'm not going to hide anything about who I actually am and what I care about. Now... I want to like talk about like kind of the, the meat and potatoes of your poetry because you deal a lot with like sexuality and self and identity and I think you do it in such a a beautiful metaphorical like painting a picture <laughs> like and I because I know like a lot of your work deals with like sexuality and I think 
I love black women talking about that particularly. And I think you're doing it in a unique way because I, when I think about Box and when I think about Eve, like those poems deal with women yeah. in a place of, well, Eve, sorry, specifically. Eve deals with a woman in a place of control, which is not something that we get to hear often when we talk about sexuality and not necessarily in a abusive manner. Yeah. or a, a condescending manner because like Eve is like so in control you know yeah thank you for that but kind of like how how did you I guess kind of what inspires you to write like that and like how did you uh form form that skill because I think that's such a unique skill to have I don't know if I always know the answer to how things happen I write in a way that makes me feel good and that challenges my writing every single time. And by challenge, I mean not by somebody else's standards, but by my own, right? Because um, I think people can measure their work against another artist and feel inadequate. Mm -hmm. And I have no interest in doing that because I'm the artist, right? I'm I'm actually my favorite artist. (laughs) So, you know, I'm with me all the time. And so uh, we don't miss no days on being a woman. We don't miss no days on being black. So I feel like my writing has to take shape and and do that work. And so if I come from it in a place of just like, what do I want to hear? What what messages do I want to receive about myself? What do I wish someone would have took the time to say to me to encourage me or help me to feel seen, heard, valued, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I also have this thing people might notice by now just by different work that I have, but... Um, I like to play with the Bible a lot and like mm-hmm. the ideas um, and the structure of it. And if you just take the Bible, there's already an oppressive nature there of um, how women are thought of and what we're allowed to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, just like in the beginning of Genesis, that's where we at. You know what I mean? So I really wanted to take that message and be like, okay, but what if it's really this? And so Eve acts as a way to, um, as you're saying, right, like acknowledge and empower and put put women first. Um, but it also does this thing where it, um, in my, and what I'm hoping that it does, or, you know, the, the audience gets to perceive whatever they want. That's their business. But what I'm hoping that it, it does is like kind of give women the option of putting men in their place, right? Instead of like being combative, it's very like matter of fact. I don't, I, hey, listen, I don't gotta put up with nothing. I don't gotta do nothing. Um, I'm telling you, right? Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm doing this, and you hold the head. That's what, how that's how that works. So I don't really, um, I can't really say why or how because that's also like in my mind a revealing of a magic trick, right? Like a magician don't show his hands, but I I particularly write in, in those ways on purpose. I will say that. And I, and I write in ways that are, that is going to challenge the reader, but also challenge me because there are messages that tell me something different. Mm-hmm. After I stop looking at that poem, when I go about my life, there's a lot of things that's going to tell me something different. So, um, giving the language and the power, um, to women and also like trans women and people living their lives as women kind of puts things in perspective. Right. Um, and, you know, since women hold the water, then they they obviously hold the earth. So I, I kind of want it to be that kind of feel to it, if that makes sense. No, no, it does. You're put you're you want to put 
women in a different light and in a different space than what we thought of before because we've been told something. And I think, I think especially with Eve, like she, like women do create life. And I think that is like something that's so often forgotten because we live in a patriarchal society, but without Eve, you wouldn't have you. And she's like in the poem, she says it so matter of factly, like you can't give birth. You can't like, I'm sorry. That's just not how, and it's not to be rude. It's not to be, it's just like, that's just, it's a Tuesday. Like, and I, and I love, I think that's why I connect so deeply with the poem because it, it, it changes the idea that like, women are trying to be abrasive when we're telling you how things are. But the fact of the matter is you cannot do what I do. That's right. And I think that in itself is beautiful. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and more than just like the idea of birth, right? Like the physical ability of giving birth, Mm -hmm. but that women hold a particular life that no other species does. And Mm so, um, you know, human women, people who live their lives as women, we do so much, right. That is, that is so matter of mm-hmm. fact, right? And um, that no one else can do. And so I, I, I never want to shy away from just the facts. You know, some people are like, oh, yo, like, well, you couldn't do this without men. And they start talking about sperm and stuff, child. And it's like, if that's your biggest contribution, if you don't get out of here, I, if that is your <laughs> biggest contribution to, to life, mm-hmm. right? And how to keep it and how to take care of it, because it always falls on the woman in the woman's lap and on on the shoulder and on the hip and you know what I'm saying? In the head and, and holding on to at the feet. Right. So I, I really don't understand that idea, I, but I also, I'm not, I ain't got time to go back and forth <laughs> with these people about that. I'll just, <laughs> it is what it is. And so, yeah, what you're saying is matter of fact, and it's not to be rude. It's just a fact. Right. Yes. So, yeah. And I, I, lo- I just love that aspect of that particular poem. Um, now when you're writing, do you have something that you continually go back to to draw for inspiration? Or is it just you could be walking down the street and you see something and then that's it? Yeah, both. Um, both. I'm 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 like, ooh, it's, I'm an ambivert, right? So like um I can be out and be like, ooh, I'm, let's let's see what's happening. I can be immersed in in the culture and in the people and and then after a bit I can be overstimulated and be like, okay, I'm ready to go inside. Mm-hmm. I don't wanna be I'm, t- I'm tired of people today. Okay. And so, um, I can definitely be paying attention, but I draw inspiration from everywhere. Um, if I, I there are certain things that I know I need to pull out a, a pen and a pad when I'm watching that, I know I need to have something ready to, it's going to make me want to write. Um, like Judas and a black Messiah, you know, like that's something that made me want to write because the writing was done so well. Um, the, the, the pictures, the image, the, the strength was done so well. Um, but there's also like different writers that I know if I read them, they're going to make me want to write. So, uh, you know, uh, Narazaki Shenge, Audre Lorde, um, Augustine Burroughs, even a lot of people don't, I, I don't know if a lot of, um, a lot of black artists will admit that they read people that aren't black, but you know, like I'm trying to try to knock it off. And um, so like, yeah, Augustine Bros is a writer that I really appreciate because he writes how he talks. He writes what happened, you know, it ain't no fluff. Right. And so there's a skill in being able to write, like you're having a conversation. And that is definitely what I strive for in, my, in a lot of my, my poems, not all of them, but a lot of them, I want them to be able to feel like, it's a conversation that you have with me um, or a conversation that you get to witness of me having with myself. Mm-hmm. So, 
Do you, yeah. is there a poem or maybe a poem you're writing right now that was super difficult to write? Like you knew that you wanted to get this idea on the page, but like it just wasn't happening. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't say it wasn't happening because um, I don't give up on my poems like that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's not a good parent. But I really want to, um, you know, stick with it. And so when it's when it's hard for me or it's really tough, I give myself that space, walk away from it. And there have been times where I've had to leave a poem for like literally two weeks. And then it's like, OK, are you ready? To use your words okay cool let's get it you know what I'm saying so so I had to look at it like that but I have I have this uh new poem that I just finished up and it took me quite a bit man it took me way longer than I'm willing to admit <laughs> just because like low-key like I feel like I'm a recovering perfectionist and so um I'm a, I'm a horrible quitter so because of that, I'm very difficult and hard on myself, right? Because it's like, yo, this your words. You know what you're trying to say. And it's like, but we don't know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just, I just finished up this, this piece called um, Gay God. And so it's, it's told in three parts um, of gayness and queerness. And it's like all the messages that you hear about being gay, right? And... Um, how bad it is and what it does, right? And then in the second part, it's more of like a uh, a response to that, right? Mm-hmm. And a challenging of the Bible because people like to use the Bible as a way to be against gay people and queer mm-hmm. people. And it's like, okay, well, I don't know what word y'all reading. The, I'm, the I'm gonna mind, say, yeah, exactly, okay. Okay, the scripture say, sugar. I don't know what y'all are trying to do. <laughs> but the word, okay? Now, some of y'all ain't reading, okay? So I just I, I try to flip that on its head and challenge people um, specifically about like I know there's a line in there about like my my family every year during crawfish season my family has to make a decision on whether they want to get into heaven or not because we're not supposed to be eating shellfish but over here okay down here in the south and in Houston Texas specifically we eat crawfish baby every every season <laughs> and so um, you think that's okay but not to be gay come on now. Knock, knock it off. Y'all being ridiculous. You want to you wanna pick and choose. It's the cherry picking of it. So, yeah, that piece. And then the third part is more like just of um, a bit of support for um, the LGBTQIA family and uh, just helping us to, like, be seen and, and be encouraged and um, kind of like a F them. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they, they don't know what that is. They talking about sugar, you perfect. And so um the the way you love is is fine, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. And so yeah, that poem took a minute. It took a lot out of me. And I was kind of like, I'm I'm so dramatic. It's like, yo, you're not a good writer. You're not gonna be able to do any of that. And it's so silly. Cause at the end of it, I never come back to that. I never like challenge myself and be like, okay, sis, are you done? Like, can you can you not be that way every time? But <laughs> I think it's a part of my process to be super dramatic and like growth. Just, okay, we just looking for growth. <laughs> you know, you know. So, um, was yeah, it? There, there are poems that keep me up at night. Was it harder because it was more personal, or mm-hmm. or was it harder for some other reason? I think. Um, I think some parts of it. Yeah, it, it was hard because it was personal because I get certain messages from my family that you know. Uh, that they claim that they love me, but they don't, you know, like my lifestyle, right? And it's like they always want to add that little piece. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that was unnecessary. We didn't need that part. 
Um, and so it's like, and, and that being the idea that, um, you know, you're focusing on this one thing, but the, the message, the consecutive message is like, I think God mentions love or the word love just in itself is mentioned like over 300 something times. Mm-hmm. So it's like gay, not even in there. Y'all make that up. But, you know, so, uh, yeah, I think it, it was difficult because it was personal, but I also think it was difficult because I wanted to be careful. Um, and I think those type of topics are sensitive. And so you can't rush them. You got to let the poem kind of, kind of take its time and, and take its breaths. And so I, I wanted to, I wanted to honor that, you know, so yeah, it was, it was, I think it's both. I think it's definitely both. Now you, you were mentioned, you didn't want to rush it. Now, has there been poems or, you know, writings that you have rushed and you had to then go, like, you put it out into the world and people saw it, but you were like, oh, shoot, I know I could have done differently. Yeah. Um, those poems are usually commissioned. Mm. Somebody, somebody hired me, Chad. They hired me to do this, this, do this poem, write this poem in a week or something crazy, right? Or, or in 24 hours. And I'm like, all right, bet, I could do that because I am a writer and it is a skill. Um, and it is a talent to be able to just write off the dome, like, like, cause that's what we're always doing. Just writing from our thoughts, mm-hmm. um, in our, in our hearts. But and I'll never go back to those though. Cause those are commissions. So if you mm. wanted me to take more time, you should have gave it to me. You feel me? But, um, if you didn't want to give me no time and you just wanted what, what I had right then and there, I'm going to try to make it be the best it can be. But at some point I have to, um, you know, relinquish my hold from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when it's a piece that I get to take my time with that I, that I'm putting out personally for myself or, you know, for whoever is, um, a supporter of me. Yeah. I'm going to take my time with that. That doesn't matter. But if somebody commissioned me for a piece, it's like, all right, what you gonna get what you get. It's going to be good by a standard of like whatever your standards are, but it <laughs> might not be good by my standards. Cause That's my right. standards is like, I don't, I don't want to rush my poems. My poems get to take their time. You know what I mean? So. Cause I just found out about commissioning poems being a, th- a thing when I um, spoke with Lady Breon and she was like, yeah, like I, she's like, people commission me. I was like, cause in my mind, poetry is such a personal, like, you got to sit with your words and like, and as a writer of myself, like, I'm just like, I can't imagine whether I'm writing like articles for news. I was like, guys, you need to give me this time. So the idea that you're just like spitting rhymes out, like, you know what I mean? And you don't feel as passionate about it. I'm like, I couldn't, that's not for me. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Lady Breon too. But yeah, it's, it's interesting that like they will, you know, here's what I learned about like this art industry business, right? is that it is a business and, and it is a skill and a talent. People appreciate artists, but only to a certain degree, whether some people will like, you know, respond to art in a way to criticize. And it's like, yo, somebody had to create that. Like they did that. You mm-hmm. didn't have anything to do with it and you probably couldn't do it. Right. And so um, that's tough. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. People are, are writing and creating all the time when people commission them, it's a, it's a, it's an honor, right? It's something that you want. You want to be commissioned for something, but to grow attachment to it and to watch it grow, it was kind of like, I don't get to do that. That poem was adopted. 
That's how, you know, at that point, I was a doctor child. I, I hope, I hope I made the right choice. In this <laughs> you know what I'm I gotta let that thing go. I, that's not for me. But yeah, it is a, it is hard. It's a personal thing. But you know, uh, I think people think it's very easy. Um, and and one thing that I also want to make sure that I add is like when people ask you to commission poems, like or ask you to write a poem that they commission mm-hmm. you to do, they have all these suggestions. They're like, oh, well, can you make sure you say this and make sure? And I'm, I always ask them, are y'all asking the other artists to make sure that they do that too? Or are you just asking the poet because, you know, and I've had one person say to me, oh, well, that the other artists, they're they're using their original work. And I said, well, where do you think I'm getting this from? Wikipedia? <laughs> where, where do you think it's coming from? You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not a group piece, ma'am, sir. This is just my person. You asked me to write, give me the topic and leave me alone, right? So it was a group piece. All right, guys, come together now. Let's uh, let's gather around, gather around. No, I I think that's true. It's like you what you were saying about um, being appreciated only up to a certain point. Because another poet I had on the show, Kyla Janae Lacey, she was talking about how people love to like use her words when referencing something, especially when talking about you know black life or whatever, but not credit her with that work. Or not want to pay her for that work, but they use her words. And I think that's something that a lot of creatives go through. Because I I do have a lot of friends that are in the creative space and photographers and and writers. And even for me, I try to be like off top, like, hey, can I use your thing? How much will it cost me? Like, that's always my first, even though they're a friend of mine. Because I understand what it means to be like in that creative space and not being able to necessarily be appreciated in the way that you want. For sure. For sure. I think it's like also something to say to or speak to like being careful, right? Because you can, you can quote a person um, who, who writes beautifully or had like some little quick something to say that, that was catchy or um, that spoke to you, right? Like, Oh, that resonated with me. Go off sis. Right. This is great. <laughs> And then at the same time, um, not knowing that person personally, because they might not be a good person. So you're like quoting a person who's not a good person, but their poems is bomb. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, uh, I don't know. I struggle with that, too. I struggle with that, too. So I just have to I think we have to be careful, um, definitely giving credit where credit is due in, in whatever particular way. But if I post something online, like I don't. I don't know. I don't take social media so, so seriously mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways, too, because it's kind of like if I put it out there and my work is never released without like a copyright to it or something mm-hmm. like that. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know if people want to share it. They share it. I know it's mine, um, but it's hard in to be a part of this industry and always want credit for every single thing. It is mm-hmm. it is difficult because we don't, I don't always do that. Like if mm-hmm. I'm listening to music and, you know, uh, her says something or, um, you know, Jasmine Sullivan says something, I, I might not say that because I might automatically assume Eric, y'all know that y'all know Jasmine said that, Jasmine. but you know, um, <laughs> definitely, you know, giving black women the credit that we deserve is a, a thing that I think like we're not thought of in that way. You know, mm-hmm. like we're not considered. And so it is it is hard and tough and, and something to, to discuss. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. 
When you write, are you writing for you first or are you writing for your audience first? And then in that vein, who is your audience? Yeah. Um, you know, I think I, I'm writing. This is just my belief and understanding. Unless I'm commissioned, chair, I feel <laughs> like I have to be writing for myself mm-hmm. I, because there's a bit of um, narcissism that goes into that, right? Where you believe that because it's what you want to talk about that other people want to be talking about it too. And that's Mm -hmm. just not true. Um, And there's also this heavy weight of, you don't have to entertain everything. You don't have to talk about every single thing that happens. You know, like, like when I said I write for longevity, I don't want to write about Kanye and and whoever for the moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to write about the moment. I want to write that poem that's going to be like, what are we really talking about? What's Mm -hmm. the underlining information and discussion that needs to be had um, or taken from that. So, yeah, I'm writing for myself first, but I do feel like as I'm writing, if it's something that I'm going to share, um, that I am responsible for, um, you know, the audience in a particular way. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I can't control what they think or how they feel about it. But, um, yeah, you know, like it's, it's one of those things where I can't just say anything. Cause that would be reckless. Um, and so if the audience gets it, then cool. If they don't get it, cool. That's not my, that's not my job for them to get it, but it is my job to be respectful and careful and considerate of what it's going to do for them or to them. Mm, mm. Where do you want, like, oh, let me backtrack. I had like two questions in my mind from what you were saying. <laughs> So first, what you were talking about, about, you know, you're writing for yourself and you want to talk about the longevity of things. You don't want to talk about Kanye now. You want to talk about what that underlying means. I think that when you said that, that really resonated with me about your your poem called Mondays. Yeah. Y'all, when I tell you I listen to that poem at least twice a week. No. On a regular basis. It is in my rotation of just life. Because every time I listen to it, I feel like I get something new. Mm-hmm. And when you want to talk about the longevity of things and what we're really talking about, whoo, whoo, <laughs> I can't stand enough for this <laughs> Like, it's, it's like you only, like, if you didn't, if they didn't hate Mondays, they just ate something else. That. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm talking about your poem um, <laughs> as if you weren't there when it was written. <laughs> you know what? No, that, thank you. That made me feel so good. You know, like that's that's a super boost. I appreciate that. You know, the, the Monday's piece to be specific is like it's a double entendre. It has so many different layers and meanings. And so when you first originally hear it, you're thinking about Mondays. I read that piece, you know, to a classroom uh, of of. 11th graders and and I'll be like hey so what do you think about Mondays and say we still don't like Mondays and I'm like oh yeah you missed it right and so it just might be where they are in their lives Mm -hmm. and that's okay but later on as they grow and they may come back to that piece they may find a new thing that they're like oh word so it's not just Mondays Monday is also a metaphor for all these other things too um, specifically like black people or Muslims or you know and so it it goes into a, a few different layers but now nah, I appreciate that that's that poem like um 
I feel like I don't get to do it enough because it ain't I don't be performing on enough Mondays. And somewhere in my mind, I told myself I need to be only performing this perform on Mondays. But no, man, perform it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> twice on Sundays. Like, <laughs> thank you, dog. Thank it's, you. It's it's just so. I mean, I mean, this was like gonna be a. a uh, poem that I linked in the show notes because it's just it is such a beautiful it's what we were talking about earlier your way to metaphorically tell a story about Mondays and I think it's also unique to communities of color because we have to tell ourselves to like ourselves <sighs> we are so unique in that space I mean if you look at I don't know this episode will be coming out weeks after this has happened but the Asian American community yeah. And something about that, like, it's, I mean, of course it's horrible, yeah. but there's also this other piece of like, we constantly have to be the ones to build ourselves up. Yeah. And then you hear all these pieces coming about, how about like, how the, the black community is against the Asian community. It's like, this is all a tool right. of certain folks yeah, with a little less melanin trying to divide and conquer. And I feel like it's this thing of like, we just have to tell ourselves that we are the only ones that are Mondays. When the reality is Asian Americans are Mondays, Hispanics are Mondays, black folks are Mondays, trans LGBTQ plus is Monday. Like there's a, y'all, I could have done the whole podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Do this porn. just talking about this poem for like a while I was like oh I gotta you know in my own selfish way I was like I gotta prep you know I'm gonna have Ebony on the podcast let me just pull up some of her poems <laughs> what do I listen to first and last answer that <laughs> is mess. so great <laughs> but it's just like I that that's that story dang man that storytelling ability yeah. that you put in there and I think it's so also, for me, that's, like, so representative of, like, your storytelling and your narrative abilities that I really just think shines through so much in all of your writing. And I think, like, that poem is just, like, a beautiful um, culmination of it. So, with all that being said, where do you want poetry to take you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, if I, if, I, if I think about it, I might put limitations on myself. And so I don't, I don't know. I, I want it to grow wings mm-hmm. and it can, it can take me anywhere. I, don't, I can't really say um, because some things are, they haven't been brought to me yet for me to see them. And so I just have to know that there is always something bigger and better. And I just got to, you know, stay ready so I ain't got to get ready, really. But um, I'm hoping that, you know, uh, I can work with some different artists that I admire um, and, and I can start right here in my backyard in Houston, Texas, you know, uh, Toby Inwingway, I hope he hit me up and be like, where your mint at? Where your mint at? Do you got your mints, girl? So I'm, I'm here for that. But um, no, I, I, I can't really say, man. I don't know. I don't have no limitations. I think... Um, the, the, the question I'm always asking myself is, is I'm, if if I'm ready, are you ready? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you you don't know, but you've been manifesting. And so just if you're not ready, get ready. Don't put limitations on what where you see yourself. Um, I have a thing that I write inside my manifestations journal that always says expect more. Um, mm-hmm. And so after I go through like all the different manifestations that I'm, you know, have for the week, 
it always is, um, you know, expect more. So be it, see to it, it is done. And uh, that's just kind of how I'm living my life. So I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully people that is rocking with me is just rocking with me. And that's where that's going to be. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm the queen of consistency. So I only want people around me that's going to be consistent, mm-hmm. sugar. Okay. <laughs> so that's, that's really all that is. But um, I don't know. Do you have a place that you see me? Oh, gosh. I see. I I've always loved spoken word poetry. Like, I always get... It was, like, every couple months I would just go down this rabbit hole of, like, I gotta know what the spoken word poetry is out there and I gotta listen to it all. So, like, I want to see spoken word, you know, integrated into so many other things. Like, ad campaigns, like, commercials. Like, I want to see it on the street. Like, I think it's a beautiful... It could be beautiful street art if that, like, came up. You know, I think it could be woven into so many different things because now there's – people are more receptive to creative ideas of ways to do things. Because before, like, doing a podcast where I just talk to people – I mean, women that I think are rad was, like, not a real thing. And now (laughs) I've been doing it for, like, two and a half years. You know what I mean? I get to talk to incredible women. So for you, I would would just love to see you, like, integrated – into life more, into, like, the culture more that has you on a grand scale. Yeah. That's that's what I would love. Like, I want a Nike commercial with, like, you in the background dropping some bars that, like, doesn't have to do about sneakers, but it's, like, a deep something, but it makes you, like, feel something about being in the shoes. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> that's what I would that's what I would want to see that's what I would because I I think spoken word poetry like it's so you know we all know about the black renaissance but there was this period after the black renaissance around like the black panther party that was like the black arts movement and that's where we got a lot of like the spoken word and the Maya Angelou and things like that and so that black culture and black artistry is so poignant and I think in many ways it's stayed, it's stayed kind of within those that know that culture and within mm-hmm. the black community. But I want to take, I would love to see that kind of stuff become a little more mainstream. That would be the. That I'm in agreement with you. That's, that's it. I'm in agreement. That's uh, all we needed then. That's what I want. Yeah. I mean, so the last question I ask all my guests is how do you define being women or womanhood? How do you define being a woman or womanhood? I think uh, that's a that's a very loaded question. And how do I define it? Um, I think like it's something I want to take more time to think about. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? You know, like methodical in here. <laughs> but I I feel like because um, I feel like women are so infinite, um, and so constant, and and everything that my my definition or idea of what it means to be a woman or womanhood would be so limiting because i i don't know every every woman's idea or struggle um but i guess i would think of it more along the lines of something that is that is pure that is love that is survival and overcoming and I think those things have to be together, right? Um, I don't think you should have one without the other because women are women are womaning all the time. So um, and getting their hearts broken in the process. So 
there's a there's a there's evidence of um, strength, survival, and overcoming. That is the definition for me, and what I'm hoping that I'm presenting <laughs> every day, right? Yeah, I don't know. Is that good enough? No, it's perfect. Listen, everybody, I bamboozle everybody with this. I love hearing all the different reactions to the questions. So you're good. This is beautiful. We are infinite. I mean, duh. Um, Ebony, thank you so much, so, so much for coming on the podcast. Like, I really, really appreciate it. Um, Do you have anything you want to shout out, give kudos to? Yo, let me me just... um, Let me just give kudos to you. Um, this Aww. has been a pleasant, pleasant experience. Um, I've never, you know, spoken with you before or, you know, had an opportunity to just really dive into like all the different podcasts that you've already, you know, done. And I, I get kind of nervous doing podcasts because people be boring me or they be asking questions. And I'm like, shouldn't you have done that research yourself? Okay. <laughs> um, or like, they'll be like, oh, tell me something about yourself. And it's like, does, is that with the inference that like, no, like you don't know? Or <laughs> So, um, nah, this has been a really, really grand experience. And I appreciate you because you're you're making, you're a part of the, her story too. You know what I mean? And, and this is what I mean by the longevity because later on, if I die or something, you know, you have this clip, you have this, this, this moment. So I appreciate you for doing that for us and, and being the historian and the journalism type person that cares specifically about. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, that's dope. Thank you. Well, I'm going to link all of your social media and poetry um, you know, Monday's going to be on there because <laughs> I got a problem. Apparently it's fine. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Yo, like, yeah, that, look, I, I appreciate that so much. And let me know how I can support you or how we can support you. Even like the people that are listening, you know, um, oh. cause you know, this is, this is considered a tribe now. You know what I mean? I, I welcome you and I hope you welcome me. So oh my gosh. So much. You're y'all. Ebony is rat. Y'all just need a, you're missing out if you ain't talking about Ebony. I'm just, I'm over here fangirl. It's fine. We're going to work it out. Um, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Uh, if you'd like to connect with the show, please follow on Instagram and Twitter at PrettyFaceLady3. Go ahead and also like us on Facebook at More Than a Pretty Face. Um, if you'd like to say hi to me, you know someone should come on the show or you want to be on the show, please email at PrettyFaceWomen at MTAPFPodcast.com and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>